Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Ready to Give an Answer sermon series, which talks about how to defend our faith and why we should believe what we believe. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God has impacted you through these messages. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 3, and of course that's our uh, text for these few weeks that we're studying on witnessing, how to witness to different groups of people. And uh, let's look at their text, and then we'll talk a little bit and get into the uh, lesson. And I trust and hope it'll be helpful to us tonight, as we're going to be talking tonight about witnessing to Mormons. Witnessing to Mormons. Last week we talked about uh, trying to reach out to Catholics, and the week before that, Jehovah's Witnesses. And uh, as we do that, we just have to always remember, just keep in our mind, that everybody we talk to, no matter what label they have, remember the green beans? No matter what label it is, they're still green beans. And uh, as we talk to people, they might be labeled as Mormons, Catholics, agnostics, atheists, whatever they are, they're still humans who are sinners, who need a savior. And we need to uh, get them the gospel. And there's different ways to do that as we approach people. We always want to do it with a loving heart, speak the truth in love. We always want to do it with a concern for their soul not in an argumentative way. We don't want to be uh, pushy. We don't want to be over-aggressive. We do want to try to control the conversation a little bit to keep it on track about salvation, about the Lord Jesus Christ, and go get, don't get tangled up in all the different uh, rabbit trails that we could be chasing. But we do want to give you some answers tonight as we do deal with some people of uh, the Mormon persuasion. So let's uh, begin by reading our text, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. 13 through 17. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. A pastor dealt with this a few weeks ago of how we need, need to deal with people with meekness and fear, realizing that, hey, this is a very important subject, talking to people about their eternity and about their souls. And uh, with that uh, humility, not being forceful, not being mean, not being aggressive, but do uh, take a stand in being firm. And there's a difference in being firm and being aggressive. All right. Uh, verse number 16. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you for your good conversation, your good lifestyle in Christ. It's important that we live what we preach. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing, the Bible says. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your Bible, which is truth, uh, that you've told us that you'll sanctify us through the truth and that your truth will make us free. And Lord, we just thank you for the, uh, the knowledge that we have through your spirit, that we do have the truth, and we pray that you'd help us to hold the truth and... Lord, in such a way that people will be drawn toward Christ. Now, Lord, we ask that you would meet our needs tonight. Lord, we don't know what the days ahead of us hold, but we do ask that you'd be pleased to use each of us to reach others with the gospel of Christ. We'll thank you, Lord, for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the Mormon church was started by Joseph Smith. Most of you know this, just some common background. When he was 24 years old, he started... uh, what he called then the Christian church. He called it a Christian church. And at 24 years of old, uh, he called it a, 
Uh, they named it the Church of Christ, but of course that name has changed over the years. In, in 1834, it became known as the Church of Latter-day Saints. And because of some of the doctrines they held to, the Church of Latter-day Saints, in 1838, it took on the name, the present-day name that we know it as, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, they also referred to themselves as the Reformed Church of Jesus Christ. Reformed, saying that the church that Jesus started faded away. Now, they reformed the church, and they call it the Reformed Gospel of Jesus Christ, that they've brought back what was lost. Now, uh, somebody here has Matthew 16, 18. Some of you have some verses to read. It's Matthew 16, 18. Okay. Uh, they believe, of course, they believe that there's only one church, that their church is the one and only true church on the earth, that every other church is corrupt and a false church and a false religion. They believe that when Jesus started the church, that what he started back there faded away, that it, it, it sunk away, it was lost, and the truth of the gospel and a true church had to be re reformed again. And Joseph Smith says that that's what he did in the 1800s. But tell us what Jesus said in Matthew 16. Now, you remember what Jesus was talking about there where Peter made that statement, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Upon this rock, upon this truth, this solid truth that you just stated, Peter, I'm going to build my church. And notice he said, And the gates of hell shall what? Not, Not prevail against it. So if somebody says, Well, the church that Jesus started failed, they're calling Jesus a liar. The church was promised what's called perpetuity. It's going to continue on until Jesus comes back and raptures us out of this place, which could be this year. Yeah. Be all right with me? Would it be all right with you if the Lord came back this year? He just might. Galatians chapter 1, if you want to turn there, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures uh, concerning what the Bible uh, speaks of, concerning people who have false doctrines. So in Galatians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. Okay, Galatians chapter 1. Paul writes to this church at Galatia. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another what? Gospel. gospel. Another gospel. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. That's what the Mormons have done. They've perverted the gospel. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Paul says if somebody brings a false gospel, uh, they need to be accursed. And uh, don't listen to them. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Now, Paul is very clear on what the gospel is. Over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3, he tells us what the gospel is. That it's the death of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. He died for our sins, he says, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again. After three days, he rose again according to the scriptures. And he did it for us. He died for our sin. And so he tells us what the scripture is there. In 2 Corinthians, you don't need to turn there, but if you'd like to, you can. 2 Corinthians 
Um, chapter 11, just a page over, a couple pages over. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 and 14. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, if you've done any studying at all about the Mormon faith, you know that Joseph Smith claims to have found some tablets and actually you've followed a salamander, which he said was a spiritual salamander, and it went down into this hole and led him to these plates, and he had to have uh, certain glasses to read them and so forth, and so he ended up writing uh, their Book of Mormon, and uh, they have some different books that we'll talk about in just a few moments. Uh, but Paul said, whether it's an angel from heaven, whatever it is, if they have a different gospel, let them be accursed, okay? Now, Mormons, many of them grow up, most of them, not all, but most of them grow up in the Mormon families. And so there's some great ties there to their family and to the church. And uh, they have been deceived, as Paul wrote there to the Galatians, who have deceived you. Uh, and they've been deceived to believing some of these doctrines that they uh, church espouses. They do not believe in the Trinity. They believe that God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are all three gods, but they're not one. They don't believe in the Trinity. They uh, believe that God, their God, the Mormon God, has a physical body. That he's a physical body and that he has a physical heavenly wife and that he was once a man who became God, and that Mormons, they're taught that they can one day ascend to becoming gods themselves. That reminds me a lot about what Satan said in the garden uh, about the, the tree of good and evil. If you partake of it, you're going to be just like God. reminds me of what Satan said. He wanted to exalt himself to be above the heavens, to be uh, like God. And uh, so that's their promise. They say that their God has parents and maybe over a thousand wives. One of the wives of their God was Mary, who through Mary, their God, produced Jesus Christ in the human form. Now, this is their doctrine. We don't have time to get into where all this is found, but they have uh, their doctrine and covenants. They have the Book of Mormon. They have a pearl of great price. Uh, they have their apostles and prophets. All of these are on, on a equal terms or even above terms, the Bible. Now, they will say they use the King James Bible, and they will send you a free King James Bible if you uh, write to them or get on their website or something. They'll send you a free King James Bible to kind of set the hook and get people uh, involved with their studies and so forth. Uh, each Mormon has an attempt to achieve godhood. They want to be their own god. And this is, this is a statement taken right from their, their belief. As man is, God once was. And as God is, man may become. You can become a god. And so Mormons, those who uh, follow the Mormon belief... That's their desire, that they one day will achieve godhood and they will be given their own planets and so forth to rule over. Mormons teach that Jesus Christ is the first created spirit. 
That's why he's called the first begotten, because the spirit God with the heavenly father, with the heavenly mother, had the spirit child. The first spirit child was Jesus. The next spirit child was his brother, Lucifer. They say that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. And uh, so this is their teaching. They teach that uh, Jesus, of course, is the elder brother. And in early uh, Mormonism, they taught that Jesus, when he was on earth, he was a polygamist, that he had uh, a number of wives and even named some of those wives. Now, let me ask you a question. If uh, someone came to you and said, hey, uh, do you know Dennis Fountain? You say, yeah, I know Dennis. They say, you know, I don't, I, I can't believe how he's just a, such a short guy, and how does he carry all those liquor bottles and stuff into this liquor store? And you go, what? You say, yeah, you know, he's, he just seems so little and scrawny, and he's bald-headed, and he's old, and he has that liquor store, and he carries those big old crates of liquor into his liquor store. How does he do that? What would you assume? Wrong person. <laughs> it's the wrong Dennis Fountain, isn't it? <laughs> you say, wait a minute. That's not the Dennis Fountain I know. So he's not short. <laughs> Good, at least one thing different, huh? <laughs> and he's not bald-headed. Now remember our definition of a cult. A cult is any, any group that denies the complete person or the complete work of Jesus Christ. If they say that he's not God, or if they say what he did on the cross is not sufficient for salvation, then they are a cult. So we would say, well, wait a minute. That's not the Jesus I know. Right. Mormons have a different Jesus. So when you talk about Jesus and they talk about Jesus, you're, talk you're talking about two different personages, all right? So you have to understand that at the beginning. Many religions say they know and they believe in Jesus. Mormonism believed that Jesus was that spiritual brother of, of Lucifer, and uh, not, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Muslims believe that Jesus was just a prophet. That's definitely not all that Jesus was. Baha'i teaches that Jesus was simply a messenger. And so when we talk to people of other religions, we have to realize that when they talk about Jesus, they're not talking about the same Jesus. All right? Now notice uh, what the scripture says uh, about those who espouse these thoughts. In 1 John chapter 4, you don't need to turn there. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures, but you might want to jot these down. 1 John 4 verses 1 through 6. John said, who knew Jesus, who, who walked with Jesus and spent time with Jesus, he said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world, hereby know we the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. See, they don't believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are, uh, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, 
and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is of God heareth not. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. In 2 John, little book, just one chapter, just 13 verses. In 2 John, John writes this, verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, now notice, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So the Bible is very clear to tell us that if any religion, any group, any individual does not believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, then uh, we're to stay away from them. Who has Isaiah 7, 14? I think Canada. Oh, you have Isaiah? I don't think you have Isaiah, do you? Isaiah? Isaiah. I think you have Isaiah 7, 14. Okay. Yeah, you're going to be there in a minute. I got too excited. Sorry. That's all right. Come on up here. What does the name Emmanuel mean? God with us. The angel came to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. And the angel came to Joseph and, and was uh, clearing things up for Joseph as he was uh, concerned about Mary being with child and he'd not been with her. And the angel said, hey, you're going to have a son. This is of God. And you're going to name him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. You're going to name him Jesus, which means Savior. In the name Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus healed without medicine. He fed thousands from a little boy's lunch. He calmed the raging sea, spoke with authority. He forgave people of sins. Only God can do those things, and he did them. He claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. And he said that no man could come to the Father but by him. He claimed to be the bread of life, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the true vine, the resurrection, and the life. He was ultimately crucified because he claimed to be God. That's why they killed him, because he made himself equal with God. And the Bible tells us very clearly, though, he didn't stay dead, did he? He rose from the dead. Only God could do that because he is the Christ. He is the Savior of the world. So if someone comes to you and they're talking about Jesus, but it doesn't sound like the Jesus of the Bible, then you can know that it's probably not talking about the Jesus that you know. God's Word and God's Son are our plumb line. How many of you here know what a plumb line is? How many of you aren't sure? How many of you aren't going to raise your hand? Thank you, Pastor, for that. Um, a plumb line is what carpenters they use, and people who are builders, they will use what's called a plumb line, and they will take uh, they have their nice made, but you can just use anything to make a plumb line. Use a string. And you can tie a bolt on it or a pencil. I've done that. Anything. And you hold that, that string up, and that weight makes it go straight. 
So you can tell by holding that up if a wall is straight or crooked, if something's straight or crooked, because the plumb line is always going to be straight up and down. Because that weight is going to hang on that string and it's going to hold it straight up and down. That's the plumb line. And the Bible is our plumb line. If we want to know if something's right or wrong, we compare it to the Word of God. We do as the uh, Bereans did. We study the scriptures. We look in at the Word of God and say, hey, does it line up or not? A lot of, uh, a lot of religions out there think they have, a, have everything straight. But when you line it up to the Word of God, you find out it's pretty crooked. And so that's our plumb line. So they deny that Jesus is God, and therefore they don't allow any prayer to God, or any prayer to Jesus, or any worship to Jesus. A lot of scripture here. The Bible tells us that Jesus was prayed to. Acts seven, First Corinthians one. He was worshipped. Matthew two, Matthew fourteen, John nine, Hebrews one. He's called God. John twenty twenty eight, where Thomas said, "My Lord and my God." Hebrews one eight. Of course. Revelation tells us that he is God. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Hipparco, it it wasn't something to be grasped after. He was God in the flesh. We look at all the I am's, where he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of heaven. And he gives us all of those. So Jesus claimed to be God because he was God. But the Mormons, they won't accept that because they have a different Jesus. Now, getting into trying to reach Mormons, one of, the, one of the main steps in reaching a Mormon is just like anybody else, but it takes a, a little bit of doing sometimes because of they're ingrained in their, in their doctrine. But it's the same step that we have to do if we're going to reach anybody for the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to get anybody saved, before a person can get saved, they have to realize they are what? Lost. lost. You've got to get them lost. And uh, Mormons, of course, they believe that everybody is going to be saved. They believe everybody is going to be saved, except for a select few who are apostates and totally against God. And they're going to go be in the outer darkness. But everybody else is going to be saved. This is their salvation. But we work and we do works in order to find out which of the three heavens we are going to be in. They have a celestial heaven, which is where God the Father is. That's what they all want to attain to. And then they have the terrestrial heaven, which is uh, here on on earth, the kingdom here on earth. Then they have the telestial heaven. Uh, And all of these three different heavens, and the telestial heaven is where uh, people who've done bad things, murders and people like that, but they've come to an understanding after a thousand years uh, during the millennial kingdom, a thousand years in uh, prison, and they are turned loose, and they accept uh, God and so forth. And so they have these three different heavens. So when they talk about being saved, they say, oh, yeah, I've been saved. When they talk about trusting Jesus, they might use the same terminology. Well, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and I trust Jesus, but it's a different Jesus, and it's a different salvation. <clears throat> they are continually striving for perfection. They always want to better themselves. They want to live good moral lives. They have a lot of uh, high expectations because they are striving themselves to become a god. Okay? They want to grow into godhood, if you will. Now, it's important to understand that because most Mormons, as they're thinking about that and they're striving for that, they also know in their heart they're not doing a very good job of it. In their heart, they begin to realize that they're 
have a fear of not being good enough. Might not make it to that celestial heaven. Maybe I'll make it to the second one. Certainly not so bad that I'll be in the third one. Then this is their thinking. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6. Who has that? Okay. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we do we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. All of our works of righteousness are as filthy rags. So what do we do? Well, in order to get them lost, they have these feelings of inadequacy. They want to strive to be perfect, but in their heart they kind of struggle with it. They know they're not. So what do we need to do? We need to reinforce that feeling from the Word of God. Hey, the Bible says, no matter what we do, all our works of righteousness are as filthy rags. All of us are, are dealing with this and trying to make it. Romans chapter 3, and verse 20. Yeah, but you won't be able to use them probably. They're not very good. I need better ones myself. Romans, this is Romans 3 and verse 20. Therefore, by, by the deed of the law, uh, deed, I can't get it. Therefore, therefore, by the deeds of the law, right. there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of... The law is not going to justify any flesh. The law, there's no way that the law, following the, the, the commandments and so forth, it's not going to justify any flesh. There's no way. Uh, because the law was just given to confirm to us that we're all sinners. It's our schoolmaster, Galatians says. It's to, to point us to the truth that, hey, we're all sinners and we all need a Savior. And so what we need to do is we need to reconfirm to Mormons as we talk to them that, hey, they're a sinner from the scriptures. Keep giving them. Remember, uh, the most important thing we can do when we're talking to people is give them the word of God. Give them the scripture. We're not going to convince people by our, our stories and illustrations and that type of thing. It's the word of God used by the Holy Spirit of God that's going to reach the heart and bring people to God. All right, Romans 3.23, most of you know that. For all have what? and come short of the glory of God. James 2.10, who has that? Okay, Barbara? For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. All right, now this is important to understand this verse. If you are hanging out over hell and you are hanging by a chain, okay, over hell, you're hanging by a chain over hell. How many of those links have to be broken before you fall? One. one. The Bible is very clear to tell us, we just break one law, we're guilty. Just one law. Then Jesus said, on these two laws hang all the law and the prophets. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. And the second is like unto it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all the law hangs on these two. So you... Those are, the, those are up there at the top, but all the way coming down, the Old Testament gives us 630 laws. All right? Break one of them, and you're on your way to hell. And that's what the Bible teaches. Who has broken the laws of God? All have sinned, haven't we? All have sinned and come short. Um, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace do you save through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a what? Gift of God, not of not of works, lest any man should boast. 
You can't go to heaven and boast about, well, I did this and I did that, and so I'm good enough to get to heaven. No, it's not by works. So what we do is re reaffirm for these Mormons that, hey, you're lost, you're undone, you've broken a law, you can't fix that. You can't go back and change that. They have to understand the bad news before we can give them the good news. The good news is Isaiah chapter 53. Here we are, Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5 and 6. <clears throat> Surely we have borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we did exceedingly stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Talking about Jesus Christ. Remember Isaiah 53, that famous scripture that tells us all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We've all failed and we've all wandered away from God. And Jesus took upon himself all of our sin and our iniquity. And he took our stripes and uh, he took our, our chastisement and he paid the price. And so <clears throat> Jesus is more than an example. Mormons hold him up as an example. He's, he's ascending into Godhood. But Jesus is more an example. He's our substitute. He took our place. And then he is our righteousness. Who has 2 Corinthians 5, 21? Okay, Anita. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we, be, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ. He became sin for us. He took all of our sin and gave us his righteousness. And so getting them to understand that, that we're sinners, we're undone, and the only way we can have any righteousness is not our works, they'll never make it. We have to accept the righteousness of God uh, through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> um, Romans uh, 10, who has Romans 10, verses 3 and 4? Yes, Mike? So they, he's talking about the Jews there. They're trying to be righteous unto themselves. They're trying to go ahead and, and build up their own righteousness. And he said because of that, they didn't submit to the righteousness of God, and they're lost. You cannot be saved by your own righteousness. That's in uh, uh, Romans chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, verses uh, 14. <clears throat> For by one offering... He, talking about Jesus Christ, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. By one offering. What was that offering? Himself. He offered himself. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he said before, after that he said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds while I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. No more offering. We can, no more works and all that. That's not going to do it. Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. He died on the cross. He died for our sin. He paid that price for us. In 1 John chapter 5, we also can uh, tell them that we're completely forgiven by God. And we can know it. We can have that assurance. Uh, 1, 1 John 5, verse 11. This is the record 
that God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye might know, K-N-O-W, ye might know that ye have eternal life and believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. God is with the believer, helping all the time. Uh, Mormons, if you know, some of them who go to the temple and so forth and be baptized there, and there's a whole story about that, baptism to the dead and all this type of thing, but uh, they, they have special underwear they wear, and uh, it's, it's to protect them. How many of you have seen their special underwear? I played uh, basketball in Kent years ago with a bunch of Mormons on the Mormon uh, um, league, and uh, uh, it'd be funny in the dressing room, they all had their special underwear, not all of them, but some of them, and they, they had to hold on to it all the time, you know, it's just a one-piece thing, and they, they hold on to it even in the shower, they just shower with one hand, and, because they feel like that, that holy underwear protects them. I'm thankful for Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You can go through the Psalm 23. Uh, he, he leads us, he guides us, he protects us. Uh, Pastor, you have Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Why don't you stand and read those, because it's a long passage. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the Mormons, they don't have, they don't have a confidence. They're always trying to grow. They're always trying to ascend uh, 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 to a godhood. They don't have confidence that they're saved. They never have that confidence. They don't have any uh, uh, assurance that God is with them and protecting them. They don't know that, the, that he is uh, for them. They feel like he is a judge in heaven, just always looking down on them, judging all their works and so forth. That's their mindset. And so we have to use the scriptures to show them that God is different than that. God is a God of love. He loved them so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on Calvary's cross and show them that the Jesus of the Bible is different than the Jesus of Mormonism. And that God gives us assurance. Jesus himself said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are what? Amen. They're wanting to go to the Father's uh, celestial heaven. They want to dwell with their heavenly Father. Well, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Who is he talking to there? He's talking to the believers. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And Thomas, one of the disciples there, said, uh, wait a minute, Lord. We don't know where you're going. How are we going to get there? Jesus said in, in verse 6, I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Not by any works of righteousness, but it's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 
Now, finally, we need to remember that Mormons do not respect the Bible in the way we do. They have their, their Doctrine and Covenants. They have their Book of Mormon. They have their Pearl of Great Price. They have their Apostles. They have their Tradition. They have their Prophets of the Church. And they put all those things, they usurp all of those authorities above the Bible. And they use those things to try to explain the Bible and explain doctrines away. So when you talk to them about the Bible and about uh, verses and so forth, a lot of times they will try to refer back to their other books and so forth. But let me help you. If they believe what their church teaches and they believe the Book of Mormon, there's a conflict. Now let me give you just a couple of those conflicts. First of all, the testimony of what they call the three witnesses concludes with this, these words. This is their writing. And honor to be the Father, honor be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, which is one God. Now they say that in their doctrine, but they don't believe that they're one. Uh, Nephi, 2 Nephi 26, 12, this is out of the Book of Mormon. And I spake concerning the convincing of the Jews that Jesus is the very Christ and must needs be that the Gentiles be convinced also that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God. And notice they say the eternal God, that Jesus is Christ, the eternal God. And then in, in the Book of Mormon, in the, uh, Mormon 9.9, they write this, it's written this. For do we not read that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And in him there is no variableness, neither shadow of changing. Now, wait a minute. They believe that their God was once man and became God. And yet their own writings say God's never changed. So there's total, total dysfunction here. In Moroni, how many of you heard of Moroni? All right, that's the angel that came and gave him the glasses and so forth. Uh, when you go by the Mormon, uh, some of their Mormon temples, you'll see the golden statue on top. That's Moroni, okay, with that horn. And I think those are real gold, so we had to check that out. Anyway, <laughs> some of you young guys need to bring an offering to the Lord of a Moroni. All right. For <laughs> Just scratch that off, okay? For I know, this is Moroni 818. For I know that God is not a partial God, neither a changeable being, but he is unchangeable from all eternity to all eternity. And so in their own Book of Mormon, it just goes totally against uh, what they believe. So one of the ways to approach them sometimes is you get them to question their own, their own <coughs> writings. And you might just approach them, well, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about Jesus? And then go to some of their own writings and so forth and show them that they're belief system that they've been taught does not even balance out with their writings and so forth. And then, of course, you can then get them to look at the Bible as the authority and bring that to them. Uh, I've done this for tonight. This is a little different, but I've given you something here. But Dan, you going to help me here? The, Carlos is your last act. Would you pass? I think we have enough here for uh, at least one per family. And this is uh, two sides. There's, it's kind of small print, but I wanted to get it on just one sheet. You got two sides, and this is uh, who are the Mormons. It talks about their history, beliefs, and practices. And it also lists some of these things that I've talked about, some of the 
the contradictions and so forth, and uh, some of their controversial beliefs about Adam being God and so forth, and uh, some of their prophecies that they made that, of course, have not come to pass. And then in the back, on the back side of it, is a comparison of uh, Mormon doctrine and Christian doctrine. Uh, and so uh, this, I thought, would be good just to hand out for some of you who have Mormon relatives or Mormon friends as just kind of a little study sheet for you to kind of look over, maybe to mark this up, and maybe to uh, mark your Bible a little bit, remembering that the main thing we have to do is we have to do what we do with anybody, get them lost, and uh, get them to know that they need a Savior, and then point them to the true Jesus, the Bible Jesus, that Jesus loved them enough that he came down, God loved them enough that he came down in the form of Jesus Christ, died on the cross for their sin, was buried and rose again, proving that he is God, proving that he can keep his promise of eternal life to whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. All right. Do you have any, uh, any quick questions maybe? Yes. It is, it is, they're actually the Mormon divorce rate is, high, is higher than most groups. And they don't, they, they talk a whole lot about family and so forth. But when you begin to study the divorce rate in, in Utah and so forth, you find their divorce rate is very high. And there's a number of reasons for that. One of it is because they try to set their standards so high and, and they have problems with their kids and so forth. And then there is a group, a segment of Mormons who still believe in polygamy and more than one wife, and that's part of it as well. Yes? So, uh, about the salvation of Jesus, um, what, how does the Hadith comment against that? Well, we know that, that Jesus and Satan had a big old war or whatever, and in that context, that's where they sort of came with a lot of this. Yes. Well, they did, you know, Satan did rebel. You know, Satan did rebel against God. The Bible tells us about that back in Isaiah and uh, Ezekiel, how he rebelled against God and he was cast out of heaven. And uh, he took with him a third of the angels. They followed him and so forth. And some of those angels are chained up in darkness to this day. Others are what we call demons and so forth that are on the earth. And Satan is alive and well right now. And he's deceiving, and one day he'll go out and deceive the nations and so forth. He's deceiving people right now. But how to combat that is to understand that... Yeah, and see, that's where they don't understand God. God is all-powerful, and God can squish Satan like you and I would squish an ant. I mean, it's, there's, no, there's no comparison to God's power and Satan's power, Jesus' power and Satan's power. Uh, but... God has given him liberty to work on people's minds and hearts to give you and I free choice to choose God or not. But here's a, here's a thing we have to understand about all cults and all false religions is they always take some truth and then they put some false doctrine in with it. 
And somebody will say, oh, they're not that bad, you know, oh, the Church of Christ or uh, Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness, they're not all that bad, or Catholicism, they're not all that bad. They got a lot of things that are similar to us and so forth. Understand their, their dictionaries, meanings are totally different. But here, if I was to give you, how many of you here like uh, iced tea? How many of you like milk? Okay, how many of you just like good iced water? And that's hot summer day, okay. If I were to say to you, okay, you're thirsty and I'm gonna give you a glass of your, your beverage here, I'm gonna give you some iced tea, uh, I'm just gonna put one drop of arsenic in it. Would you drink it? No, because as one, that one drop, it ruins everything else. And that's what <laughs> cults do, is they take that false doctrine and they take some good doctrine and things that sound good and people say, well, that sounds good to me. And a lot of Christians, and just like I said last week, there are true born-again believers who are in Catholic Church, Mormon Church, Jehovah's Witness. They're in those groups because they got saved, but then they followed, they got taught wrong. And so they got involved with those groups and they're still going to go to heaven when they die because they can't lose their salvation. They are born into God's family. But that poison, they've been poisoned and uh, that little bit of poison takes you away from the truth. All right, you had a question? Isn't it all the cults really about money? I mean, why can't all these cults believe what we do as Christians? And, and, and because they're lost. Mm -hmm. Why are these, who's ever running these cults? Isn't it about keeping them strong, the money? Well, money is a big part of it, and the Bible is clear to tell us that the love of money is the root of all evil. And a lot of cults do have a lot of money and so forth, and they have a lot of, quote, businesses. People are, for example, we're talking about the Mormons, how that they have a lot of stocks and so forth. Somebody said, well, they used to own Coca-Cola, and they used to own this and that. And if you, How many of you have been to Hawaii? You ever been to their big Hawaiian, what's it called over there? That, it's owned by the Mormons, and, the, and they've got a lot of uh, money and wealth and so forth, but that's not their primary goal. That's just one of the sidelines, and the richest church in the world is probably the Catholic Church, and, uh, you know, but that's not their primary goal. I mean, some of it is that, that, you know, wanting money, wanting wealth, wanting power, but it's all Satan's behind it all, and Satan is the one who's poisoning minds to do whatever he can, whether it's money, whether it's whatever it is, to pull people away from the truth because he's, he's trying to get souls, all right? One more question, maybe? Anybody else? All right, let's bow for prayer. And if you do have other questions, we'll try to deal with them. But take that sheet and put it someplace where you can uh, utilize it uh, for your own purpose of trying to talk to people about their soul because that's what it's all about. We can learn these things, but if we don't put it to our mind and put it to use, then we're just beating the air. So let's consider, who do you know that a Mormon, a Catholic, a Jehovah's Witness, and how can you best witness to them out of a heart of love? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And let's just take a moment. If you know somebody that's in one of those cults or another one, why don't you right now just pray for their soul, pray for them, and pray that somehow God will use you to try to reach them. If you're here tonight and you're not sure that you've ever trusted the God of the Bible, the Jesus Christ of the Bible, you need to make sure of that. This church is here to preach and teach the truth, 
to take the gospel, not only across and around Moses Lake, but around the world through our missionaries. If you're here tonight and you have a question about really being sure of heaven, before you leave this place tonight, let myself or the pastor or one of the workers take a Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure that heaven is your home. It's the most important decision you could make. It'll give you peace beyond understanding and help you in your daily life. And if you're here tonight and you are saved and you know it, but you know somebody that's not saved, why not just ask the Lord to use you to reach out with the truth? Ask him to help you to be more faithful in reaching others. Father, we do thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of teaching and looking into it and studying it. And Lord, for the way you've used it in our lives, help us to get the word, the truth to others that they might know Christ, the hope of glory. And Father, we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.